This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What's more American than baseball and malls? So for today's episode, we're celebrating our country's independence with the re-airing of a show we did back in April at the Lloyd Center. Because if you haven't heard the big news yet, Mayor Ted Wheeler is backing the Portland Diamond Project's latest proposal to turn the Lloyd Center into a Major League Baseball stadium. As a big baseball fan myself, I'm conflicted. On one hand, I'm ecstatic at the prospect of Portland getting its own team. On the other, I'm saddened by the thought that something special might be getting pushed out. So here's hoping that the DIY vendors of our punk rock mall get incorporated into the renovation. Enjoy the show. I feel like every few years, rumors start up that the Lloyd Center is shutting down. At one point, this 63-year-old mall was one of the largest shopping centers in the country. But by 2020, nearly every major department store had bailed. Local news has been predicting its death for a while now. News at noon, Macy's at the Lloyd Center is permanently closing. The closure was announced this morning, saying they will be closed by January 31st. Now to some big news about an iconic Portland mall. The Lloyd Center is facing foreclosure and it may soon... But in spite of all that, sometime last year, a new buzz began growing around the space and people started to affectionately refer to it as the Punk Rock Mall. Local vendors started opening smaller, more eclectic pop-up shops, everything from homemade clothing stores to record shops or communal gaming spaces. Local bands began playing, parties were getting thrown, TikToks about secret roller disco events at the empty marshals were being shared. How is the Lloyd Center still alive? Who and what is making this all happen? And how long will it last? Today on CityCast Portland, audio producer Julia Fioioni and I take our mics to the mall to look for answers. So get in, losers. We're going shopping. It's Monday, July 3rd. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Okay, so one of the first people Julia and I met up with was Salvador Ibarra, who works at Euphoria. That's one of the two tattoo shops located inside the mall. Salvador has a long history with the Lloyd Center, so we figured, you know, he'd get us started on the right path. Salvador, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us. You used to work at the old movie theater that was inside the mall, and now you're a tattoo artist working at that same mall. Uh, how does it feel coming back to your old stomping grounds? It was really bizarre to come full circle. I realized it. Um, I was young, but I was not a teenager. I was early 20s, okay. and I had just moved to Portland, and a friend of a friend was doing exit poll researches oh, just yeah, gathering yeah, gathering yeah. data after the movie at the lloyd center and in the 90s so that was like in the 90s that yes. was kind of like yes. almost the crest of like mall peak mall culture or or what do you think at that time it was like coming down a little i, I think it had not yet even plateaued i think it was still oh. rising yeah wow. but um through all of my uh 
travels and life experiences and living in other states, uh, living on an, an island in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. Somehow I found myself back at the Lloyd Center. It was humorous to me. There was a period where people didn't think that the Lloyd Center was going to make it. I mean, like at, at first it was because everyone was shopping online and then came the pandemic, which could have been that final nail on its coffin. But here it stands. So can you explain the new rebirth since you're a part of it? Well, it's interesting. It's like when people say like shag haircuts are back. They never went away. Yeah. You know, hot pants are back. They never went away. Roller skating, hula hoop. It never went away. It just wasn't as mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way about the mall and malls in general. For the last five or six years, people have been saying it's they're going to shut it down at any time. That whole, it's dying, it's going to be dead. Mm -hmm. Yes. But then every year you keep hearing the same thing, but that implies that, well, no, it hasn't died. If you keep saying it's going to, it's mm -hmm. surviving. And I noticed that the space is definitely used differently. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of major department stores empty. Yeah. Like we're standing in front of uh, a very empty Marshalls right yes. now. Yeah. Which now is being repurposed as a warming center mm -hmm. uh, for people experiencing crisis on freezing cold days. Mm -hmm. So it's still being used, but it's not a retail space. And so what you start seeing now is really independent, quirky, avant-garde kind of stores popping up mm -hmm. that are definitely suited to a very specific consumer. And I kind of like that. Instead of being a, a, a mega department store that is three stories, that has a little bit of something for everyone, these are stores that are curated. As we walked here to this location, we passed a comic book store, we passed a record store, and then we passed what looked to be like a Lego store, but it was not branded. And it was just this man clearly just enjoying his life surrounded by Legos. And it's a lot of very one specific thing for a specific target. And I like that. Yeah, and that's like part of the regrowth. This Lego store I mentioned to Salvador is called Brickdiculous. But what I didn't mention was that I'm a pretty huge Lego nerd and had already met with the store's owner, James Lucas Jones. And his Lego shop is right next to Floating World Comics, an institution in the Portland indie comic book scene. And before their move to the Lloyd Center last year, Floating World Comics had been in Old Town for nearly two decades. So their move to the mall was a pretty big deal. It was legitimizing the space in a way. And when I asked James why he decided to open up his shop at the mall, he said this. I uh, used to work in comic book publishing and I've known uh, the owner of Floating World, our next door neighbor for a number of years. and. Um, yeah, just in talking with Jason, he, uh, Floating World had, had been previously located in Old Town Chinatown, and he moved over in August, and just the response that uh, he'd gotten uh, from the move and, and just the, the difference in, in vibe that he's been able to create was just um, infectious. And so, uh, yeah, I it started talking with him and started talking with mall management, and we were able to come to a terms on a lease, and that was at the end of September, and we opened like six weeks later. Could you give us like a little tour of your store? Yeah, so we carry a lot of uh, vintage, like still in, in box, but out of print, Lego, you know, from everywhere from the last two, three, five, 10, 20 years uh, plus, and then uh, a, a huge selection of new stuff, and then a lot of uh, custom minifigures and fan-created content. 
tell me about this bulk Lego section because this is just really cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have our bulk section um, where it's just a place for folks to come and, and fill bags of, of Lego brick and elements that they need. They can kind of be picky and pick out things for certain builds or, you know, kids can just grab by the handful. And um, then on Sundays, we also have a, a thing where whatever they build, they can uh, buy based on how much it weighs. So it's a affordable way for kids to come in. And, and everything with Lego these days is so geared around sets and specific models, like having an opportunity for kids to come in and just play and, and use their own imaginations in terms of, of builds uh, is something that really, we really wanted to do. So Now, James's shop is well-stocked and does sell merchandise, but it's also part museum and part gallery with a healthy dose of clubhouse. And there's a heavy DIY vibe that makes you feel like you're not just buying stuff. You're also taking an active part in a very niche culture, which to me, uh, it, it feels pretty punk rock. So I asked Salvador what he thought about people starting to call the Lloyd Center the punk rock mall. I see why that would be a good term for it because, again, it's breaking away from the norm. Because yeah. punk rock at its base, it goes against the status quo. And it says that what you're doing as an individual, even though it's not in the mainstream, it has as equal, if not more value because of that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you don't necessarily see like a Sam Goody or a Tower Records. You see a tiny little privately owned record store. Yeah. But you know what you're going to find in there is going to be so much more unique and worthwhile. Definitely. So I, d I definitely see that punk rock moniker and also because it's kind of gritty. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're literally listening to a tattoo needle in the background right now. Yes. Like as you were talking, now you're hearing this tattoo needle going off. Yes. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of clientele? Like who is coming to the mall? Yeah. Um, I'm seeing a lot of younger people. I'm seeing a lot more people of color. I'm seeing black and brown kids hanging out, doing things, shopping, having fun, getting tattoos, getting piercings, but also picking up like fresh new sneakers, which I don't necessarily remember from before. Um, I like that there's, for Portland standards, a, a much more diverse clientele that you see in the mall. And mm -hmm. I like that it's, it's young. Yeah. So uh, that brings a different energy to it. Because of some of the open, empty spaces and a more lax approach by security, you see kids skateboarding here. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't you want to skate here? It's like, really cool. Like, yeah. it's really neat. There's lots of things like to skate. inside the mall? In the mall. So not just outside it, yeah. but inside it. Because there's stairs and it's not raining. You yeah. Know? That's yeah. so cool. So you've, you've, you've seen... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you can hear it because, oh, wow. you know, the the board hitting the floor, it just resounding, you know, it echoes through the mall. Right. And it's very distinctive the way a skateboard sounds when it slaps yeah. against the ground. So in a way, the mall has become a community center for some kids maybe who absolutely want to go somewhere, stay dry and do something fun. And I think that's a good a good word for it, because I've I've often, you know, to myself said, well, it's evolving. It's now providing different things. OK, so the three story Macy's is closed, but now the big chunk of space in front of it in the food court is open for kids to gather and play Dungeons and Dragons or a card game. And that's what's happening. Exactly. That's, or to charge yeah. all their devices while they're waiting to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I realized that 
just like, you know, you and I, probably there was a mall when we were teenagers we went to mm-hmm. uh, for a while. It was part of our coming of age, learning these social skills, you know, amongst other people. These kids were probably still doing that or looking forward to doing it when they were eight and nine coming here with their 14 or 15 year old brothers and sisters. And they were hoping for the same experience, but internet shopping, online shopping, at home shopping, the pandemic, uh, economic downturns, quasi-recession. All of that took a lot of it away from them, but I like that they're still coming. And that's so significant because if this is part of youth culture, then they should be able to enjoy it, even though it's a little bit different than when you and I may have done it. It's things, less commercial. But it actually still, does feel more like a rec center, to be honest. Yes. You know? Oh, it call feel, it what it there's is. There's a, a yes. palpable, like, hey, I'm just going to hang out here and Rack I and feel safe. Center. Yeah. The reason I asked, like, has a demo changed was because I wanted a confirmation that yes. I was seeing what I was seeing. Because as I was walking in Absolutely. from the parking lot, I just saw a lot of, like, black and brown families come through. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay and i don't remember seeing that or feeling that you know like most portland spaces the lloyd center still felt very white it did up until just about four or five years ago which is uh interesting it certainly i mean i'm still seeing a lot of like white older folks walking around oh yes and you you do see a lot of um in jogging quintessential mall which is amazing yeah mall walkers (laughs) from the 90s yeah because it's climate controlled it's safe it's carpet we're gonna take a quick break here and when we come back how long is this all going to last? Is the Lloyd Center's punk rock mall era just a phase? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Do you think that uh, this DIY punk era phase of the mall is just a phase? Or, I mean, I know that you're not part of the management team and that you can't predict what's going to happen. But from being a vendor here, what's the feeling you're getting? from talking to management or other vendors? I think it is definitely intentional. I would say that that's part of the business plan of the new mall ownership. Uh, Just recently, the mall changed hands. Um, Large groups, moneyed interest, you know, loans not being repaid, people buying debt, and, you know, diggy-doo, here we are. There's a new mall owner. Um, But these owners and their management team, they have a completely different approach. They are actively encouraging the DIY, you know, punk aesthetic, the, the riot girl, you, whatever you want to call it, the outsider movement in actively courting people who traditionally might not have a shop, which is why you see such a, a diversity of spaces that are not necessarily uh, chain corporate stores. Mm-hmm. And it's because the mall wants those people to come in and they entice them by giving them amazing rent rates. Gotcha. I haven't asked for specific numbers, but everyone I've talked to said, oh, I, I couldn't say no. And did they say they were being courted? Is that why, like, that's why they're here? When they had spoken to, like, this is what I want to do, the mall said, yes, we'll work with you. We want this. We want more oh, gotcha. pop, we want pop-up type stores. Yeah. 
So I had reached out to Lloyd Center Management to confirm uh, what their larger plan was with the space. My concern was that at any point, it could just be taken away. I also wanted to trace back how this regrowth, as Salvador put it, all started. If it happened like he said it did, then the new owners were the masterminds. I mean, the pop-up shops did sprout once they took over in 2021. Or, or did this all come from word of mouth, where existing vendors were convincing others to open up shops? Like how James from Bricdiculous got roped in. But all my questions went unanswered, officially anyway, because aside from a very friendly conversation with their PR firm, Lloyd Management did not respond. So I laid this all out to Salvador. I, I think whether it was intentional or not by upper management, maybe they didn't see these type of business owners coming in, but they definitely laid a very fertile groundwork for mm -hmm. it to grow and flourish. So whether by intention or not, the end result is still very interesting. And, and you see stores that you wouldn't see at most other malls. At this point, audio producer Julia and I took a much-deserved pretzel break. Honestly, I was feeling a bit defeated, thinking our investigation was stopping right here at Auntie Annie's. But as I was scrolling through Instagram in between bites, I came across a story from Dream Street, uh, one of the new pop-ups at the mall selling DIY boutique clothing. It's co-owned by a friend of mine, Eric Mast, and he's been a constant force in Portland's art and music scenes for ages now. And one of his projects, Spoiler Room, organizes social events that bring art, music, and culture to unexpected places. Then these events are streamed as TV episodes on cable access. And then I remembered that Eric, along with Dane, another member of Spoiler Room, uh, had been throwing parties and broadcasting DJ performances from the mall for the past year, specifically from Dream Street and Music Plastique, a post-punk electronic record store at the mall. This is Spoiler Room with special guest, Sweet Baby James, recorded at Dream Street, with artwork by Manu Torres. The more I thought about it, the more I made sense that Eric and Dane might have something to do with all this. Could the Punk Rock Mall be the longest Spoiler Room event yet? I slapped a sweet almond pretzel out of Julia's hand and told her we were going to Dream Street to confront Eric with this information. So my investigation was that you guys started this, but you're saying, no, there was someone before you. I'd love to hear this story. Okay, yeah, so Tony from Music Plastique had moved in and Dane was kind of moving in with him and he was like, oh, we'll have, it'll be a spoiler room space also. You said it was like a lark in a sense that you didn't think it was gonna last as long as, as what's going on. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, I mean, I think Dane and Tony, they were kind of just doing it because there wasn't a lot, lot of other options that were positive at the time. But also, Dane just thought it was just like, it'll be funny, you should do it, you know. But then once they got here, they were like, oh, the people here are really nice and like the space is interesting and like it was kind of rad. We were kind of expecting like a post-apocalyptic kind of vibe, but we were getting more of a utopian vibe. So then I'd been, you know, hanging out with those guys at the space and then I just decided, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do a space and so I kind of just sent a proposal to somebody at the mall and then ended up signing a year lease and then right after that Jason Floating World decided to move from downtown to the mall. I love the space I love that you have like the equipment to make t-shirts in the back and you have like all the paints that's what I'm really enjoying about these stores is that it's part like welcome to my room <laughs> like look at my cool shit 
you can't buy it but look isn't this cool and i fucking love that like i really love that spirit of like this is my space you're coming into it here's the stuff that's for sale that's that that, that was the lego store there were like legos in glass cases yeah you think you're gonna keep it open well i signed a year lease so I, i'm just planning on doing a year and then i'll i'll figure out what happens after that but who knows well cool i mean that's pretty much what I wanted, I mean, I guess if we want to do our due diligence, we'd go to Music Plastique and stuff, but like, whatever, we're good. <laughs> we, we've, we've had our, we've, we've had our fucking like uh, pretzel. I feel like we're like, we're done, you know? <laughs> we were done, at least I was. But knowing Eric was not quite sure if he was going to renew his lease made me a little sad. I, I really don't want the punk rock mall experiment to end in any way. And I don't think I'm alone in this. Before we left, I had asked Salvador if he was able to write the future of the Lloyd Center, what would that look like? And he said this. I am a big believer in progressive social politics. I think that the um, ultimate responsibility of the state is to look after the health and well-being of the citizens. So I like that the mall is using really large empty department stores mm-hmm. to provide people with a place to go so they won't freeze to death. Mm-hmm. I had heard rumors that on the third floor of the mall, they want to uh, potentially make them into uh, spaces for professionals, mm-hmm. um, counselors, therapists, maybe people who produce podcasts. Oh, I would hope so. Um, absolutely. Attorneys, things, things of this nature. Yeah. Uh, but also housing, where possibly one part of it is market rate housing mm. where whereas on the other side of the building perhaps it's low income housing or restricted income or income based housing how cool would it be to live inside a mall it <laughs> be kind would of, be it would, kind of interesting it would be Absolutely. really weird it would feel like a post-apocalyptic 80s movie Oh, yeah, but aren't those the best ones? Everyone runs to the mall for for safety. absolutely. Oh, my gosh. All the resources are there. Give us your best pitch. People listening, this is is your 30-second spot for them to come to the mall. Go. This mall has been here a long time. You have fond memories of it, and you're still capable of building new memories here. There are still a variety of stores open. People come here every day to make a living for themselves and their families, and... It would be helpful to them and the mall in general for it to just remain healthy. And the more people that come to see it and support it now, the more likely that people will want to open new businesses. And it's fun. (laughs) And and there's an ice skating rink. (laughs) Give me a break. Yeah. And you'll have a good time. (laughs) I mean, I understand you're not in marketing. We're we're working this out together. Yeah. 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 Cool. It'll be fantastic. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. We're taking tomorrow off for the holiday, but we'll be back Wednesday morning. Until then, see you at Slim's.